Welcome to Stock Odds, Odds and Ends, Hillary, Hurricane Hillary edition, I guess, right? <laughs> hey, Rob, how's it going? What are you doing down there in Southern California? What's going on? We never get hurricanes down here. It's, silly. I mean, it's just going to be a tropical storm, a year's worth of rain in two, three days, but a year's worth of rain isn't much at, out here anyway in the desert. But um, a year's you had to make what is it I like three? <laughs> <laughs> I made three sandbags today. Well, oh, you, you you had to take off your white gloves and do the and do sandbags. That's manual labor. You you shouldn't be doing that. I had to bring the car inside the garage. It doesn't get wet. Yeah, the Jag doesn't like uh doesn't like rain for some reason. What's going on? Yeah. It's a, well, you wouldn't want it. You you wouldn't want things damaged. Do you have to shutter or anything or no? You're good. No, it, they're just flood warnings in low areas and. It's it's I mean for the most part it's just heavy rain for a couple of days. Well here here here's the here's the strange thing about the day and age we live in. Half the world is on fire and half the world is is flooded. Yeah. <laughs> right. Much water, but not enough. Like think about that, right? That's that, that's craziness. Uh, I mean in Canada alone there's five thousand forest fires. Wow. So um, and we got it on islands and. All over the place, you know. And besides uh, Hawaii, there's other islands that are on fire too. Um, so, well, Maui's been put out, but um, yeah. So, just uh, crazy, uh, crazy weather disturbances and um, another very, very hot year. El Nino certainly playing into it, um, and that's probably why you, the warm uh, Pacific, has spawned that uh, that hurricane for you guys. Yeah. Now, why do they call it a hurricane over by you since it's in the Pacific Ocean and not a typhoon or something? I don't know that. I don't know much about it because we don't experience this much. All right. All right. Well, uh, good success down there. Hopefully you, well, your sandbags your sandbags work. Hmm? Yeah, but what's interesting is like insurance companies started sending emails and things you can do to be proactive. So they're, they're at risk this week too, right? Um, damages, especially if they're in flood and water damage companies. So that's that's the play. I can see weakness on insurance stocks. Well, I mean, you know, there. Well, you can see weakness, but you also can be baffled by their strength. And and part of part of this problem is that anytime you get calamities, it gives them the ability to raise rates. You know, in other jurisdictions or in the same jurisdiction, for people mm -hmm. that would uh, renew. Um, and so, you know, that can be a positive in terms of revenue so it's it's really a tricky space when you go oh you know hey we got a, a hurricane approaching california or you know normally it's florida or something and so you, th you think oh look who's all the insurers down there i'm going to short them all and then you you kind of scratch your head as the stocks rally right so yeah. uh so just be careful of that kind of macro connection because it's the same kind of thing that you find where a company lays off employees and most people would right away think, well, uh, they're not doing very good. That's a negative. And, you know, and that could be the case, like we saw with Meta's earnings declining and they did lay off a bunch. Right. But at the same time, when you look at it from revenue per employee, uh, that's that can be a very good move and it could boost the stock. And in, in Meta's case, obviously, uh, it did gain some traction after that. And um, and, you know, there, there's a lot of extra bodies that probably were brought in with a lot of the um, stimulus that happened, right? And, um, you know, support for companies and, and hiring and stuff like that. So there could be a lot of extra people that are not necessary to, you know, boost revenues, boost operations. And, and so 
that's why Wall Street looks at it as a, a good thing when you lay off a bunch of people. It can be very good for investors, right? Yeah. So it could be the same with insurance stocks. It's like, well, they're going to raise rates again and everybody in, everywhere else is going to be paying more. But all right, well, let's get through some of this. I know you got time is short because you're about to be bombarded. <laughs> um, so here's uh, the Friday's performance in terms of the sectors. And again, these this is the broad exposure, not just the S&P 500. So you may see a bit of a difference between the ETFs and the the group that's designated here, but it's it's close. Um, so for Friday, we had energy uh, bounce back. Um, it was n down a bit on Thursday, but for the week, it was still you know in the top two. The whole like the whole group, I mean, all the groups were down for the week. Um, and consumer cyclical down a lot, and and that was on the back of the retail. We had a lot of retail um, news and stuff, so. Um, so the market's uh, taking the cyclical group to the cleaners there. Uh, plus Tesla is a big part of that and was, um, you know, sliding a bit. Um, basic materials uh, down. I mean, if the dollar strengthens, there was uh, some cause for rates to go higher again. Um, you know, considering the treasury renewals that, that have to happen. I mean, the the government debt and and all that kind of stuff. So uh rates were you know starting to perk up a bit in terms of you know like there's this there's this thing that while we're expecting the fed to be mostly done maybe one more this year but this other argument of well, wait a minute rates may stay higher for longer and they in fact they may have to again raise so um, that kind of put a a little bit of a problem here in terms of you know the the great performance that we had all the way to the end of july the window dressing and so on right there at the end and then coming into august you know the fitch downgrade then the moody's you know downgrade and watch on the banks um, fitch again coming out with some more on the banks and considering all the economic news that, you know, even good news could be bad regarding the inflation, uh, regarding the interest rates. So that's the kind of transition that we we experienced here so far in uh, July. And is, and even this week here, you can see the SPY uh, selling down. We had some high signal on Thursday near the end. Um, but look at, uh, you know, we almost closed at the low on Tuesday almost or almost closed at the low on on the 16th on Wednesday on Thursday almost at the low again and then Friday was expiration which uh, did fill fill that gap a little bit but uh, expiration is often like that you know we don't necessarily go anywhere but it did manage to bounce back a little bit but uh, overall just this slide is part of this lack of liquidity in August um, the news that's kind of overhanging and then this information that might be contrary to the wonderful uh, optimism of the market you know looking forward but we've already had such a great run so you know this comes on the back of that so this is where we opened monday did move up a little bit on um, so monday was right here did move up a little bit and then from there it was 
heading down. And we did see a lot of evidence of selling the rallies. That means that uh, there's some profit taking going on because that's the best time to sell is when it's up a bit and you want to unload. You don't want to chase it down and, and uh, make matters worse by trying to, you know, hit the bids all the time. So when, when things turn around and start to rally, that's a great time to sell something. So here's the ETF performance and review for the week. We see that um, IWM, the Russell, uh, was the worst performing. Again, that speaks into the concerns about growth, the concerns about higher rates, things like that. So it's very sensitive to that. So uh, IWM is like extremely optimistic if things are going to be good. And uh, on the other hand, if there's concerns, it uh, usually performs worse. Um, as far as the tech, I mean, XLK held up okay. Some of the bigger cap stocks in the ETF um, were responsible for holding it up better. Um, and the worst performer was, well, the discretionary. And so we, we see a little bit more of a defensive posture for the week with healthcare doing okay, utilities not as bad as they had, had been. Um, and uh, XLP uh, didn't do great. Um, and energy was uh, performing pretty good for the week overall compared to the others. And then communications, which does include Google and, and Meta and so on, but uh, down on that one. Basic materials affected by the dollar. Here's the previous week's map of the market. So look at NVIDIA. Now, NVIDIA has earnings coming up next week, right, Dave? Yeah, Wednesday. So um, this is uh, interesting. Um, so take, I would recommend going and looking at the chart of NVIDIA. It's, it's one of the drivers for uh, the semis as well as this whole AI tailwinds thing. And there's been a lot of big companies have been buying lots of NVIDIA chips and ordering lots of NVIDIA chips. So something going on there. But you can see the difference between the rest of the group and NVIDIA. So this will be an interesting story going into next week. Um, you see you know, just kind of a splattering of green in the week. But look at this healthcare area, Lilly and Merck, Pfizer, BMY. This is interesting. That might be part of the expectation of you know what it what it looks like uh you know going into the fall maybe you know a lot of times uh groups and even symbols run ahead of events that may occur or expected later on so that could be uh part of it um or, or maybe it's just all the all the smoke that Canada's sending to the East Coast is like, well, now we're gonna have more respiratory problems. That's uh we need to buy drug makers here. Mm -hmm. Anyway, last five days of seasonality. Now that starts on Friday. Uh, so what's your thoughts on this one, Dave? The last five days seasonality. It starts Friday, so we don't. This week is really benign. Like we don't have seasonality this week. We're in between expiration and the last five days. Yeah. One thing I want to make a note of is that typically we look for a change in direction after expiration, right? So we just had that on Friday. The whole week of mid-month seasonality and expiration kind of went as expected. And seasonality is a big component. And now we come into the, um, this nothing week, but it starts on Friday with last five days. Now, when it when it's split over a weekend, you have to think about the impact of that. It, it could mean that nothing really happens related to this on Friday, or, or it could be a bounce back Friday, kind of like what we saw on expiration. Mm -hmm. um, 
So what's your take on this there, Dave? Well, the last five days shows a lot of strength in NASDAQ kind of stocks. And when you look at the individual stocks too, it's a lot of the high beta stuff, the art kind of funds, and the stuff that, that's shorter is um, more your stable um, basic uh, S&P stock. So the theme would be strength in NASDAQ. And especially if this week is kind of muted, We've already had a discount cut from last week, right? Right, right. Sold off heavily. So we could get a nice mean reversion for, for on two fronts. We're coming from that discounted position last week and then going into that vinyl week with um, a little more tech heavy. <clears throat> no, that's that's good thoughts. Um, yeah, so this, this is a very interesting week. Now, it, it could be that anticipating that the last five days are good, that there is a bit of front running of that. So it is possible that We've we come from the third Friday here, and even though we have a lull week, they anticipate that the end of the month will be better, and they start to rally it this next week. That is possible. So it could continue down lower, it could be sideways, or it could actually rally a little bit. Um, but this is definitely the thing to point out here is the end of August is definitely a change from the rest of August. Yeah. Okay definitely a change so you guys can go to your seasonality almanac and look it up for yourself um, I wanted to talk about optimum list tracking here so we produce three lists risk on risk off and neutral and if a person w were to choose correctly the list to employ so just to refresh your memory again risk off is long consumer staples, healthcare and industrials, and short technology, communications, and discretionary. And it's the opposite for the uh, risk on. The thing is, it's not just a flip of the symbols. There are new symbols or, you know, mostly new symbols in each of those lists. So it's not just a flip of the symbols, okay? Um, so so there is some statistical relevance to that beyond just the sector approach but if you grabbed a sector that was expected to be hot and you went and chose your symbols statistically that were the best fit for like you know the top expected performers of that sector then you would have this sort of alpha over the sector potentially as well so that's what you what you're looking for is the optimum bets and the optimum conditions to deploy those. So if you're coming into a, a day, just to give you a little bit of framework, if we're gapping up, that means that a lot of the stocks that you know are high volatility or expected to perform really well could be moving already in the pre-market and gapping up excessively at the open. So when we're gapping up, sometimes the best list to choose is your risk off list. And when we're gapping down, that means some of these high beta, you know, high volatility, you know, maybe fundamentally they got a lot of debt, high P, whatever. But when they gap down, they often gap down too much relative to the indices. And then when they rally back and fill the gap, that's where you get your great performance. So sometimes the best thing to do when you're gapping down is actually choose the risk on list. So that's counterintuitive. Now, when you don't know, the best thing to do is just stick with the neutral. But when you have good information, you have this choice of risk on or risk off. So just tracking, you know, since June the 7th, 
um, when we started these risk on risk off uh, type approach here. Uh, this is the average per day, 0.34%. And for the open to close for the SPY, almost flat, and close to close for the SPY, even though you know you had a rally in June or in July, it's still almost um, uh, flat in terms of yield per day on average, right? So uh, this, is, this is substantial. Now, what if you could hit 70% accuracy on choosing the right list? Then you would probably have, you know, three quarters of that performance, and that's still above the, you know, the the benchmark that we talk about, which is 0.1% return on capital. So, um, so there is something to aligning yourself correctly with the sectors that are favored for the day, and we keep we keep it pretty static now. We could we could bring in energy, we could bring in basic materials and all that, but those some of those have higher volatility and they're less stable. So this is the the sort of the three most stable long sectors and short sectors for for those lists. Now the neutral is just one symbol long and one symbol short from each sector. So it isn't balanced as far as industries, but it's same sector and you want that mix because you want it to move around. You want some opportunity. If you were only matched in the same industry, it would be extremely efficient and you probably wouldn't make much of anything. So that's why one per sector works. It's loose enough to give you some performance, but it's protective enough to insulate you from those bad days. And you can see some of these bad days on the SPY down 0.79, and yet. The return on capital for our list, even neutral, was you know ex exceptional here. Um, so that that's something to build on and to grow in and to learn more about. How do I choose you know the right list for the day? Or could you combine a list like you do a neutral list and then you do a risk on list? Um, could you do that? So that's uh, what we're looking at here. Okay, why don't you finish up with the uh, economic calendar? Yeah, there's some theme for the week. Um, it has to do with earn, that's called um, homes. So on Tuesday, we have existing home sales and Wednesday, new home sales. So that's going to be a key driver for the week. And then uh, we have some Fed speak as well. There's this Jackson Hole Summit where Powell's going to be talking on Friday. And then on Thursday, there's going to also be some other Fed officials um, talking there as well. So the market's going to be focused on how many rate hikes and the tone of their speeches and are they going to keep raising or stay, stay put? But otherwise, it's more housing data um, earlier in the week. <clears throat> and then we have some earnings. I don't know if the next slide. No, I didn't put them. You can just read them off. Yeah, so earnings-wise, um, Monday we have Zoom uh, video. But Tuesday, again, with housing, we have Toll Brothers earnings. And Wednesday is NVIDIA. That's the big one. Um, so heavily watched in terms of tech and AI. And then Thursday is Dollar Tree and not much else. But... On, on NVIDIA, last week, mid-month seasonality picked it up as a good long. Also, the third Friday, um, Almanac picked it up as a good long, and it and they had that AI tailwind to it. So it had a lot of bang for the buck, and the Almanac was pretty dead on correct for that one. So. Right. right. Um, just look at uh, the weekly, um, what it's done here. So this last week uh, performed pretty well. Again, like you said, mid-month seasonality. Let's just look at the SPY here for the weekly 
and um, you can see how we've pulled back to this 50. Well, we were at the the 20 the 20 period, so this is 20 20 week 20 period, and then the 50 period, and the 200 period. Um, but that's a that's three weeks in a row here that the spy has pulled back from the open of the week to the close of the week. And um, so there is, even though it looks like it could fall a lot farther, which it certainly could, that would probably have to be somewhat catalyst driven. You wouldn't get it just on light volume and lack of commitment, lack of participation, you know, people still on vacation. You, you probably wouldn't see that. You would have to have some kind of a catalyst that is a bit of a surprise in order to have a, a massive move down and, you know, plunge us into really oversold conditions. So um, could it happen in September? Uh, certainly. September is one of the worst performing months of the year historically. So it's possible that, you know, we have, uh, we build on the, on the downward move here and continue. Um, but it's possible for next week um, or the week following to have a, a bit of a bounce back. So Friday, Friday, we saw an up day open the close and um, we are below the 50 day moving average. So there is a bit of a, an air pocket here and we're also kind of sitting on this um, June 26th low. So that would be where we're not quite there. That'd be what I would focus on is the 431 level. And uh, we're currently at four. The close was 436. So, you know, we're quite away from that, but that would be what I would lean on is uh, that June 26, which is just, we just finished the Russell rebalance. And, um, and so all the symbols were, were locked in with the new exposure on the Russell. And, um, and then from there we rallied, we had our June rally and then summer rally, July continued. And then since then we've been selling off. So, so yeah, that would, that would definitely be a level that I would uh, lean on right there. And uh, if we retrace next week, then that could take a little bit of the end of the month five-day rally uh, off the table. So it just really depends, as you said, Dave, what happens this next week. So with that, we'll uh, let you guys go. Thanks uh, for your attention. And uh, Dave, have a good day. Good luck with the uh, hurricane there. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Good luck.